Initial contact. When you have an encounter, you're going to have contact. And the initial contact, the first contact that we want to talk about in this encounter series is going to take place um, here in just a little bit as we turn to Genesis. But I want to read our theme verse of scripture because in this, I believe this should be what is a normal quiet time for everyone who truly says they're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So I'm just raising the standard of what your quiet time should look like. When you go into your closet to pray, not if you do, when you do, the Bible says, I believe you should have encounters like this. Okay. I believe that the great people that we call the great prophets that live today and that the great prophets that lived of old, I don't believe it was just exclusive for them. I believe they were setting a standard that the body of Christ should rise to, that we should do. We say we're followers and disciples of Jesus Christ. That means you want to not just know what Jesus knows, you want to do what Jesus did. And this is what Jesus did. This is what his quiet time looked like. So I'm going to read in Luke chapter 9, verse 28, and it says this. Now about eight days after these sayings, he took with him Peter and John and James, and I love the big three, okay? Peter, John, and James. Sometimes it's Peter, James, and John, however you want to list them. Peter, John's and James, Peter, John, and James, and I believe this. You should have a big three in your life. You should have three people in your life that you can come to, that you can talk to, that are there, that you're ride or die people, that you're going to bring up on the mountain with you and share the experiences of God with. And it says he took with him the big three, and he went up on the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered. All right, encounter number one is right there. I don't have time to preach on it, but you need to put a number one by that. Number two, the appearance of his face was altered. Number two is this clothing became dazzling white. That's encounter number two. And behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah. That's number three. Who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, number four which was about to accomplish in Jerusalem. Now Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep. Now Jesus has got all this going on, and Peter, John, and James wanting to go to bed. Are you kidding me? See, we fall into the same trap, though. God is doing some amazing things right here in your own church and all around the world, and we want to go to sleep. Or watch a cowboy game, which is just as, just as boring as going to sleep, right? I'm just kidding. I just had to throw that out there. Come on, man. Some of y'all are already mad at me today, and I ain't even started. And now Peter and John and those who were with him were heavy with sleep, but when they became fully awake, so now they're engaging into the encounter with Jesus. They became fully awake, and they saw the glory, number one, and the two men who stood with him, number two. And as the men were parting from him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, is it good that we are here? Let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. Now here's the problem with most people and in the church today. When God starts moving, we always think we've got to build something. Right? Yeah. God starts moving. We got to get three tents up. God starts moving. We got to build a bigger building. God starts moving. We got to do this. We got to do that. This whole encounter series is based on the purpose of why we are going to do what we're doing at TWBC with our future uh, facility. And I want us to make sure we're real clear. So the answer to the spirit of God moving is not building a bigger building. Okay? That's not the answer. The answer to the spirit of God when he starts moving is to host him well. It's to host him well. And, and to make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he had said. Now, that part puzzles me. I'm still working on that. He said it, but he didn't know what he said. Not knowing what he said. And as he was saying these things, a cloud came and overshadowed them. You notice the cloud of God's glory did not come until they woke up. Right? It said they became fully awake. They saw the people. They saw Jesus. And then when they were fully awake, that's when the cloud of God's glory came. So if we want to see the cloud of God's glory as the church, there needs to be awakenings happening. Because encounters are always happening. It's just, are you awake enough to, to, to see it and to know it and to walk in it? 
And as he was saying these things, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. Come on now. I love that part. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silent and told no one of the, in those days of anything what they had just seen. Now jump on over to the Gospel of John, chapter number 5. John chapter 5 and verse 19, this is also what your quiet time should look like. And I don't like the term quiet time, but just so we're all on the same page when I say quiet time, my quiet times are anything but quiet. Come on now. I mean, I'm shouting, I'm having a good time with Jesus. Verse 19, Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For what the father does, the son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing, and greater works than these will he show him so that you may marvel. And so when God says greater works than these will I show Jesus, because if he showed Jesus, that means Jesus was obligated to do them. Because Jesus said, I only do what I see my Father doing. So when God said, I'm going to show you greater works than this, it's so he could perform them here on the earth, and the earth could marvel at the glory of God. And so as we're in this new series, and as we're having encounters with God, I want us to talk about let's keeping our perspective straight on as we move into this new facility. And I do have a great uh, praise report to tell you right now. After last week, after I announced we needed $165,000 to get started with just construction documents, I talked to Pastor Derek this morning. I said, Derek, how much do we have to, to, to start moving forward with the construction documents? He said, Pastor... It's been amazing right now as of since you launched this last week and the savings we've been doing as a church. We got $115,000 set aside to get started on construction documents. So we're almost there already just one week into this thing. And listen, I'm not about doing a capital fundraising campaign, but I am about you listening to the voice of God, hearing the voice of God. And as he tells you to sow into his kingdom for future things that God is wanting to do so people can encounter his presence in this place, I'm going to urge you to be obedient to what he says because he's doing it not to break you, but to make you and to get something to you. But first, he's got to see what he can get through you, right? right? See, God won't increase Joel's anointing and pastoring unless I start pastoring and it gets through me. Right? And it's no different with financial or anything else. He's trying to see how much he can get through you, not just, not just to you. And so in this process, here's what I want you to know. That this facility that we're building isn't a holy shrine or, it isn't, it isn't a holy shrine or an idol. It is a tool. The facility that we're building isn't a Christian retirement home or a country club. We are designed to be a kingdom expanders, not kingdom squatters. So we're not building a facility for you to come and hang out and have your four and no more and don't expand the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're building a very functional facility that is a training ground to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry outside of this box. You realize the only thing that we're in right now is a big box, right? Like, you know, when you put ants in a box and you get to watch them and stuff like that, that's all we are. We're ants in a big box right now. Okay, but God doesn't want us to stay in the box. He wants us to get an encounter with his presence and go out and leave and be kingdom changers and kingdom expanders for the kingdom of God. And so in that, we want to be kingdom expanders, not kingdom squatters. And the last thing we need to do is realize it's not about your personal space, but it is about making a place for everyone who comes in. And so the reason we're moving over and building a new facility because it, it's, a, it, it's creating more of a place for people to have. It's not about your own personal space, but it is for us to reach our community, impact this 20-mile radius, and give everybody a space in there to say, God, I want an encounter with you. Amen. That's why we're doing 
what we're doing, and we're believing God to have it completely paid for by the time we roll into it in the year 2020. Can I get an amen on that? Will you agree with me on that? Amen. No, come on. I, I want a better agreement than that. Right? I mean, give God a good hand clap of praise on that one. I want to set it out there. I want to expand our thinking. I want to expand our faith. I want to see what God's going to begin to do. That's our 2020 vision. Is it clear? Okay, Jeff, they just don't get my jokes. It's the 20, right, 2020 vision clear. See, he did. they just don't get it, Jeff. I just don't have that anointing on me. It just doesn't work for me. So I'm going to be serious. Our 2020 vision is to see clearly and being our new building completely paid for in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Jeff, figure out how to make them laugh when you say it. So now as we jump into this this morning, I want to talk about the places over the next four weeks that God has created to encounter his people. The first place he created was earth and the Garden of Eden. The next place was the tabernacle in the wilderness. The next place was the temple. And the fourth place was the new covenant that we're now living in. And so today we're going to jump into the Garden of Eden. So open up your Bibles to Genesis chapter number 2. And the whole reason the earth and the Garden of Eden were created was for the father to have encounters with his children. That's the whole reason he created the earth. That's the whole reason he created the Garden of Eden, to have a place for the Father to encounter you, to see you face to face, to have contact with you. And there's some amazing things that we're going to learn as we jump into this scripture. And the Bible says, Genesis chapter 2, verse number 7. We're going to read verse 7 and 8 right now, but don't close your Bible. It says this, Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden um, in Eden in the east. And there he put the man whom he had formed. Now I'm going to stop right there because we, first we've got to uh, decide what kind of life God really created. And there's three Greek words that describe life throughout the scriptures. The first one is bios. And you can find a, an example of this in Luke 8, chapter, um, chapter 8, verse 14. And I do want to uh, tell you this. If you have the app loaded on your phone... You can click on pastor's blogs right now and pull up every note that I'm actually reading on my iPad. So if you want to follow along on your own notes, you can just click on the TWBC app and pull up pastor's blog, and it will pull up my actual notes that I'm reading on right here. So that way you can follow along if, if you miss something that I'm saying. We're going to start doing this every Sunday morning, and I'll upload my sermon notes before service so you can follow along. And so on this, the word bios, it's the Greek word, and it means this, and it's just talking about your physical life. It's the Greek word bios, and this is where we get our word biology from. And so when it says the God formed the man and breathed into his nostrils and the breath of life came, he wasn't talking about I created bios. He wasn't talking about I gave him physical life. He created a physical body, but that's not the life he was talking about. Another word for life is this. It's called suke, which is found in Matthew 6, 25, and it says forever who wants to save his soul or life shall lose it. This Greek word is called suke, and, and, it, and it describes your mind, your will, and your emotions. And this is where we get our term psychology from. But God in this, he wasn't saying, I'm just going to give a man a mind, a will, and an emotion, and intellect to rise up and be. There's got to be more to life than this. There's got to be more to life than just having a soulish existence, having an intellectual existence, having feelings and emotions. The reason God gave you feelings and emotions is so you could have a better encounter with him, not just so you could exist on this earth. But finally, in John 1, verse 4, it says, In him was life, and that life is the light of men. This word in the Greek is called zoe. It's the Zoe life of God. And if you go to the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Hebrew, it's Zoe in the book of Genesis. 
Okay, so when you turn over to Genesis and you're studying it out in Hebrew, you're not going to find the word zoe. But the Greek translation of Hebrew is zoe. And so if you go to the, the, the okay, I'm going to quit throwing out all these big terms. Just pull up your Bible concordance and click on the verse of Scripture, and it'll pull it up in Hebrew. But when you translate that into Greek like it originally was, that word is zoe, and it's the life of God himself that is described in John chapter 1, verse 4. In Jesus Christ was life, and that life is the light of men, a light that shone in the darkness, and the darkness can't even understand it. Come on now. That's good stuff. And so on this, I want to qualify what kind of life God breathed into Adam in the Garden of Eden. When he breathed the life into Adam in the Garden of Eden, it was the Zoe life. It was the God life, the God breath himself that created. And Adam rose up and became a being, which helped his physical body start breathing. It helped his intellectual, his suke life, his, his soul life start working. So he had a mind, a will, and emotions that all worked in coordination with the Spirit of God. But when sin happened, it caused a disconnect from the very spirit of God where your spirit man then died. That's why when you're born again, you have a new life in Christ. But your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions, and your flesh didn't die. That's why he had to expel them from the Garden of Eden. Okay? And so in that, I want you to be born again today, come into the new Zoe life of God. But then when you do that, you're going to have to transform your mind to start thinking like the Zoe life of God. You're going to have to crucify your flesh so you'll start living like the Zoe life of God. And you've got to give the spirit life that you're living in precedence over your mind, your will, and your emotions, and precedence over your physical body. Because Paul even struggled with it. He said, those things I don't want to do, I find myself doing. And those things I find myself doing, I don't even want to do them. He said, what a wretched man I was. And then he got born again and filled with the Spirit of God. And everything changed from that moment on. So in this, I want you to have an encounter with the Father. And so one of my favorite places in the world to go is, is Hawaii. Have I, how many of y'all have been to Hawaii? If you like Hawaii, say, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if you've ever been to Hawaii, you know you want to go back to Hawaii. It's just they got to lower the food cost. Amen? Uh, I mean... So expensive over there. I mean, ask Chris and Lori. They, they took their whole family there, and they had a blast. I love watching the pictures. I was jealous every day until they got home. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I, 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 I do have an issue. It's called travel envy, right? When all y'all get to go to these nice places, sometimes I'm like, dang, I want to go, you know? But there's something in Hawaii that they do, and you all know the term. You think it's just a casual greeting, but it's when they say aloha. It's way deeper for a, 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 a Polynesian native than just saying aloha. See, we just think it means hello. But it means a lot more than hello. I'm going to ask my wife to come up here, and, we're gonna, and I'm going to show you what it actually means in the Polynesian culture for aloha to take place. And remember what we just talked about. God breathed breath of life into the nostrils of Adam. And, and so, Sherry, we've got to come stand right here in the middle. <laughs> See, a lot of us want to have these kind of encounters with God. God, I love you, but I want my personal space, right? Y'all have had, all had encounters with people who got in your personal space, right? And you kind of just start backing off and try to get away. But here is what truly aloha is. It's not this. It's not this. Some of y'all are getting uncomfortable right now. They're like, oh, my God, I can't believe they do it. I don't know what's about to happen. Right? I didn't tell her what's about to happen. Aloha is literally this. They're uncomfortable right now. I'm uncomfortable. I'm not. I like this. Now, I'm going to refrain from talking at her because i got preacher breath right now, and I don't want her passing out. And if she does fall out, it, it's probably the breath. <laughs> My breath. 
And so I'm going to have her stand right there. When they would say aloha, they were passing what they would say is the breath of life from one being to another in their culture. And I'm telling you today, God does not want to have moments with you. He doesn't want to have time with you. He wants to have aloha with you. That close, face to face. The only reason I can do this to her is because there's an intimacy here that I don't have with any of y'all. And you can't do this with somebody unless you're very, very intimate and in a relationship with them. So when God wants to have encounters with you, it's really this. It's really, that's what it is. I'm going to turn to the rage students over here and do it because they're the only ones not laughing at us right now. <laughs> they're like, I don't see what's so weird about that, right? See, some of y'all who've been raised in church are like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they're on stage and they're that close together. Isn't there supposed to be some personal? No, <laughs> there's not. Amen. What, you got married and you kissed in church? Come on. I don't understand what the big deal is. Listen, if we would have more godly public displays of husbands and wives loving on each other in church and holding hands and being close to one another and intimate one with one another in worship, maybe it wouldn't be so weird for our kids. Come on, Andy. That's what I'm talking about, Andy Crouch. He leaned over, gave his wife a hug, and kissed her on the cheek. That's what I'm talking about. But see, we got a, even an ungodly perspective of marriage in the church because we don't let our kids see this in church. Amen. Yeah. That's good. That's good. And literally... This with God is he wants to breathe the breath of life into you. I wanted this illustration to come because when I say encounter, face-to-face contact, I didn't mean face-to-face expressions. Our faces have literally touched. God wants to touch your face with his face. So you're like, that's kind of intimate. That's kind of Why is it weird? I don't understand why we think it's weird for the most loving Heavenly Father who we say gave His only Son for us, whose Son died on the cross for us, and He gave us all this, and He wouldn't withhold anything good thing from the church, but we don't want Him in our face? Which ought to beg the question, do I really want a real relationship with Him, or do I want just what He can offer me? Because I had to learn a long time ago and start walking it out that before I want anything, I want His face. And if he ever gives me a thing, the only thing that thing is there for is to lead me to his face. And so in the Polynesian culture, when they would say aloha, it literally means passing life or the spirit or breath from one living being to another. Now, don't go building a theology out of aloha because it's not there, okay? But but it is an illustration. Now, this is how jacked up stuff gets in the church, okay? We got the aloha spirit in our church. No, we don't. We got the Holy Spirit in our church. It's the Holy Spirit. He's just dupl- the aloha spirit is just trying to duplicate what the Holy Spirit really is. We got the Holy Spirit. And but that's how weird religion and theology gets birthed. So don't go out here saying we got the aloha spirit. We don't. We got the Holy Spirit. But with the Holy Spirit, I want you to have this. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That type of encounter. With God. Did you get a picture of that, Becca? That would have been an awesome picture. <laughs> Y'all give my wife a hand clap. She's awesome. So now I'm going to roll through the rest of this sermon rather quickly. 
And here's why, because you understand the facial encounter God wants to have with you. You understand what he's trying to operate in. And so on this, the only thing I want you to get from today's message is this. Here is your takeaway. I want you to get this. There is an aloha encounter God wants to have with you, and he'll create heaven and earth to make that encounter happen. See, a lot of people say he'll just move heaven and earth. He'll do a lot more than move heaven and earth. He'll create heaven and earth to make an encounter with you happen because that's what we just read about in Genesis 1. And now he made the encounter happen in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter number 2. Now listen to what he did for the goodness of God in verse number 9. And it said, and out of the ground the Lord made a spring up, and, excuse me, and out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. Now I want you to remember this. The trees that he made up were pleasant and they were good. Amen. You got to remember that because when we get talking about the, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, some of y'all freak out. Well, why would you put that bad tree in the garden? It wasn't bad. Right. It was good. It was good and it was pleasant. The Bible says, so in this, it's the tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And listen, a river flowed out of Eden to the water, to water the gardens. And there it divided and became four rivers. And the names of these rivers is the first, the Pishon, and it is the one that flowed around the whole land of Havla and where, and where there is, excuse me, and there is gold there. Come on now. And the gold of that land is good. Now, I've never seen bad gold, but if God has different definitions of gold, I want to figure that out. He said, there's gold there, and the gold of this land is good. So he even says, when your money is redeemed, it's good. Oh, come on, that's a whole other message. And it says, the gold out of that land is good. The bledium, the oxen, the onyx stone are there also. And the name of the second river is the Gihon. It is the one that flowed around the whole land of Cush. And the name of the third river is the Tigris, which flows east of Assyria. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. Now listen, the Father did this in the garden. So you have the earth that he created, but in the earth he put the garden. And out of the garden he put trees that sprung up that were good and pleasant. But in the midst of it there was one spring that springed off into four rivers that made a, an encampment or a place that he called Eden. And he created a specific place, a sanctuary place, a holy place for his people to come and to abide and have encounters with the Father because he told them to rule over the whole earth and subdue it. But when he encountered them, it was in Eden. Now listen, I want to talk to you just a second about the goodness of God. The Father will surround you with good and amazing things, not to detract you from Him, but to give you ways to encounter Him. Listen, God will surround you with good and amazing things, not to detract you from Him, but to show you that He wants you to encounter Him. How many of you guys are outdoor people? And you see a sunset and you say, wow, wow, isn't God good? Right? Why? Because that ministered to you in that moment. Whether you acknowledge it was God or not is up to you. But the problem is we acknowledge that it's beautiful. We acknowledge that it's good. We even give God praise for it. But I don't believe that was supposed to be the end of that beautiful sunset for you. I believe when you saw that beautiful sunset, it shouldn't have been the end. It should have been the beginning of an encounter because he got your attention with something. And he put you in a place to recognize and notice his goodness. But the goodness should always lead to the glory or the face of God. Come on now, that'll preach. And so listen, he put in the garden the trees, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they were good. He also put in four rivers in the Garden of Eden. And he put in the rivers, he put the Pishon. And that river, the, the name literally means this. It means increase. He put the Gihon, which is bursting forth. He put the Tigris, which means rapid or active. And he put the Euphrates, which means fruitfulness. 
Now listen, he surrounded them with increase, bursting forth, rapid movement in his spirit, and fruitfulness. <laughs> Come on now, that's what he surrounded them with. But listen, it is completely possible to be so wrapped up in the goodness of God that we miss him. It is completely possible that we get so wrapped up in the goodness of God that we miss him and we end up worshiping one of the rivers. We end up worshiping the increase rather than the God of the increase. Oh, God is so good. He's blessed my career. He's blessed my job. He's blessed. He's blessed. He's blessed. But we worship the increase, not the God of the increase. And so we end up falling in love with the goodness and not the God. We end up falling in love with the river that he gave us that shows his goodness rather than the God himself who created the goodness. And here's the problem. When you fall in love with the river of the increase, you, when the increase dries up, you're going to question the goodness of God. Yeah, that's right. And that shows your faith was in the river, not the God who created the river. The same thing happens over here. It, it, the, the word um, giha means bursting forth. Which means there should be activity in your life that's bursting forth. The gifts of God in your life. The, 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 the talents in your life. They should be bursting forth. But here's the problem. Sometimes we worship the gift and not the giver of the gift that's bursting forth. We worship the gift of preaching, and if I preach good enough, I'll get my validation, and I'll get my accolades, and I'll get my cup filled so I'm running over, we would say. The problem with that is when we worship the river of the gift, we start worshiping the gift and not the giver of the gift. And it's so completely possible. Believers do it all the time. We find our gifting and we're call and our calling. We're like, yes, thank you, God. I'll see you later. And we go with the river instead of the God who created the river. We also fall into this one. We worship the river of activity or doing stuff. We get our cup filled. We get our, our, our emotional, our suke filled, our mind, our will, and our emotions filled by how much amazing stuff we can do for people. And so we worship the, the, the calendar of activity. Come on now. And we fall in love with the river of activity. We go for a boat ride on the river of activity, and we forgot the God who gave us the ability to be active. Oh, I could preach on this for a whole series. We must begin to realize that the goodness of God is only to lead us to his face. And if the only thing you see at first is the goodness, great, embrace the goodness. But his goodness is never the ending point. His goodness is always going to lead to his face, which will encounter his grace, which will bring you to the next level in your faith. Amen. Somebody should write that down and hashtag that. That's, that's what he wants. And we always end up worshiping at one of the four rivers, it seems like, rather than the God who created the river. The Euphrates means fruitfulness. Oh, look at all the amazing stuff TWBC is doing. We're so proud of TWBC and the community. But if TWBC ceases to exist, and there is not a black hole of a void in our community, they were just worshiping at the river of our fruit, not the river of our God. See, everybody loves the fruit. That's why you're supposed to produce it. Everybody loves the fruit. A lost and dying world needs the fruit because they don't know the face yet. But if all we ever do is give people the fruit and never reveal his face, we've worshiped at the wrong river. Amen. And we've got to begin to worship at the right places to see God doing the amazing things that he wants us to do. Many of us lose sight of the encounter because we get lost in his goodness. And it is so completely possible to be so lost in his goodness that you do miss his face. 
And that's when you start operating out of your abilities rather than his abilities. And after a time period, you'll notice yourself start running low on spiritual energy because he breathed the breath of life into your nostrils, the Zoe life of God. And you'll figure it out real quick when you're worshiping at the rivers or you're worshiping at the goodness, not at the Godhead. Because your energy level will start running low and you can't figure out what's wrong. I don't know, I'm just always tired. You think it's a physical issue. I believe it's a spiritual issue. I just never have any energy. I, you think it's a physical issue. I think it's a spiritual issue. My mind just never quits running. You think it's a, it's a, a mental or a, or a psyche issue. I think it's a spiritual issue. I think we get so wrapped up worshiping at one of the four rivers, either the river of increase, the river, the, the river of bursting forth, the river of activity, or the river of fruit, that we miss the face of God because all four rivers did what? Came from one source. And they separated See, I believe you should always have four avenues of God ministering into your life. That's a whole other series, too. I'll get into it later. He put four rivers in the garden for a reason. There was four ways of, of, of refreshing, four ways of nourishment, four ways of being ministered to. So I believe you should have several avenues, but it all has to come from one source, the Spirit of God himself. And so now listen. It is completely possible to live in the goodness of God and miss the God who gave the goodness. And now listen, as we go to the next part of Genesis, I'm not saying this is what happened to Adam and Eve, okay? I'm not saying that this is how their fall happened, but this is how I see a lot of uh, believers fall happening. It's God wants an encounter. He wants an aloha encounter where we meet face to face, but in the midst of the face to face, he gives us all the goodness. We get so lost in his goodness, we forget about the face. And God wants to bring us back to his face. Now listen to this. Let's jump over in Genesis chapter number 3, verse 8 and 9. Genesis chapter number 3, verse 8 and 9. Mitch, if you and your worship team want to come on up. Genesis chapter 3, verse 8 and 9. It says this, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Come on now. God likes to walk with you in the cool of the day. Ooh, some of y'all are happy because it's cool outside this morning. And you just woke up saying, Man, this is refreshing. You missed it. God was wanting to walk with you in that moment. He, he was wanting to walk with you. See, like I said last week, your takeaway is there's more to it. There's so much more to it. Whenever you get the refreshing aha awakening moment, that aloha moment, God says, why are you stopping? I'm just now getting to you. He wants to walk with you in the cool of the day, in the time of the evening breeze. But listen, it says, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence. The presence means face to face. They hid themselves from the face to face with God and the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But God called to the man and said to him, where are you? I believe in today's churches it is so easy to get lost and enamored in the goodness of amazing messages and awesome ministers of the gospel and great worship and awesome places and awesome things that are built for true encounters that we never even get the encounter. That's right. Every part of our life was filled except the Zoe life was, wasn't. Our mind, our will, our emotions are, are filled. We leave inspired. We leave energetic. Our physical bodies are filled. We got the coffee that we wanted. We've been ministered to. And if all the ministry that we're doing, we miss the face of God, then we've missed it as a church. And we can't afford to miss it as a church, not with what God wants to show us. Now listen, have you ever been stood up on a date? Or if you've never been stood up on a date, have you ever been sitting waiting for a lunch meeting and the lunch meeting not show? Remember how awkward that felt? No, they'll be here in just a minute. I'll wait to order till they get here. No, they'll be here in just a minute. I'll wait to order till they get here. 
No, they'll be here in just a minute. I promise they're coming. I'll wait to order when they get here. God had the same thing just happen to him in the garden. I'm walking and I'm looking for Adam. I'm looking for the man that I created to have encounters with. This was our time together. We had a date set. I want to walk with him in the, in the cool of the breeze, in the time of the evening. I want to minister to him. I want to have face-to-face -face with him. I want us to have aloha moments together. I want to breathe breath of life into him continually on a daily basis. I want to empower him. I want to reinvigorate him. I want to give him all that I have of heaven. I want to show him everything. And when they... Listen, listen, listen to how this verbiage is. And when they heard the sound of the Lord, I believe this, heaven has a very distinct sound. I really believe it. I believe heaven has a very distinct sound. And I believe that he wants the church to hear the sound that he's coming. Come on. I believe God is doing things today that are unprecedented in all the history of time. I believe God is moving in a way that he's never moved before. But if we don't listen for the sound of him moving, if we don't listen for the sound of heaven, I believe we'll miss God altogether. And here's the thing. In this moment, he said, he heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the cool of the day. Now, I'm going to go geek mode on you just for a second. Can I, can I do that? I want to go geek mode on you for a minute because I, I fell in love with this verse this past week as I really broke this down. And, and the term, it says, and they heard. And they heard. That term in, in, the, in the Hebrew means this. It means Shema. It means Shema. And there's a term later in the scriptures, and he's called Jehovah Shema. It means the Lord is there. And so what that means when it says, and they heard, it means it, it wasn't really just like, like you're hearing my voice. It's like he was there, and they just knew that he was there. The sound of heaven is just knowing God is there. And so it says, when they heard, it means Shema is here. God is here. Jehovah has showed up. And it says, and they heard. So it was Shema, and they heard the voice or the sound, and that literally means voice. And so it literally says, Shema so showed up and spoke with us. Jehovah is here. He spoke to us. And it says, they heard the sound of the voice of Jehovah God walking. And that means coming, coming to us in the garden, the enclosed area. That's what it means. The garden meant enclosure. And it was enclosed by four rivers. And it says, in the cool of the day. And that term, cool of the day, means ruach. It means the spirit of God. It means the mighty rushing wind that you read about in Acts chapter 2. It means when they, when, when the time, it wasn't a time of day. It means when Shema is there, when Jehovah Shema shows up and his presence is there, his voice is heard, and there's a wind that comes, the sound of heaven, and it encamps around the people. And, and the ruach spirit of God is there. It's the same spirit in the very first chapter of Genesis when it says the spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the deep. It's that Ruach hovering spirit of God that's there. And that is referred to as the time of the cool of the day. See, I'm going geek on you. I mean, some of y'all are like, I love this. Some of y'all are like, I'm going to listen to it again because I want to get it. I want you to get it. Because here's the thing. And it says, and the man and his wife hid or they withdrew from the presence so Shema, God is there with his voice, with his Ruach spirit, which means his transformational spirit, by the way, with his Ruach spirit was there. And when they saw all that beginning to take place, because they knew it would happen, because it wasn't the first time and it wouldn't have been the last time if they hadn't sinned, when they saw that beginning to happen, they said, the presence is showing up and they hid. And we do this a lot of times in church. The presence comes to show up and we hide. When... What makes you hide? What makes you hide is this. It's the, the issues of your life that you haven't let him 
let the Ruach spirit of God transform. It's the poor pitiful me scenario. Oh God, I, I just, I'm not worthy. You are worthy. The blood of Jesus paid the price. Why do you say you're not worthy when he paid the price for you to be worthy? You're worthy. The cross proved that you were worthy. The resurrection proved that you are worthy. And now that we have the power of the Holy Spirit, we don't have to hide from the presence. Even with the issues that we have, but if we'll step in, he'll be, not break us, but he will make us into something. Now here's where I want to wrap this up. When you break all that down, this is the initial contact that God was wanting to have. Now listen, the encounter that was lost in the garden was paid for at the cross reinstated at the resurrection and made continually available 50 days later in Acts chapter 2 what we what we call Pentecost. Now now get this. They're in Acts chapter 2 and they're where? They're in an upper room and enclosed area. It had four walls, the garden had four rivers. And they heard the sound. They heard the sound of heaven again. Hadn't been heard since the Garden of Eden. The sound of heaven was heard again. And the Ruach, the mighty rushing wind that was mentioned in Genesis, also began to come again in Acts chapter 2, 50 days after. Because it says when the day of Pentecost had fully come, it was the perfect time, the Kairos moment, the God moment, for him to send his Ruach, the cool of the day, to make an encounter happen again with the people of God that were in an enclosed area where he destined for them to be. Come on now, that's good. Now here's my favorite part. It says, and suddenly, in Acts chapter 2. It says, and suddenly, in Acts chapter 2. What was suddenly in the upper room was normal in the time of initial contact. Oh, come on, that's good. See, we always make a big spectacle out of Acts chapter 2, and we should. It was the most amazing thing. It's when God sent his spirit to abide with us forever. It is so supernatural. It is so amazing. It is so powerful. It is so comfortable. It is so the presence of God. It is so comforting to be in that. But what was suddenly for them in Acts chapter 2 was normal in the Garden of Eden. And this is why I always say... To people who said, well, I've been filled with the Holy Ghost. I said, when? Well, back in 1972. That's the last time, really? Follow me on this. Follow me on this as I close. And I'm really closing because we got to go. Don't fall over. What was suddenly in Acts chapter 2 was normal everyday encounters in the Garden of Eden. Face-to-face, the aloha moments. And my question for you is this. You may have had an initial infilling of the Holy Spirit, but it shouldn't have been a final. And I see so many believers who had the initial, and it was their final, when God never meant for it to be your final. He wants to continually pour His Spirit out on you. When I got married at a church to my wife, and we kissed... It was the initial, not the final. Amen? When you come into the presence of God and you have contact with Him, it should be the initial, not the final. And this is how I know that God wants to continually fill every believer with His Spirit over and over and over and over and over and over again. Is this very chapter in the book of Genesis that says this. He came to commune with them. That doesn't mean a one-time deal. It means a continual communing with them in the cool of the day, in the ruach of His Spirit. 
Because why? There are times when they would have to go out of the garden because he said, fill the earth and subdue the whole earth. The garden was just the enclosure that he gave them as a special place to have encounters. Come on now, that's so good. And so ministers, I want you to come this morning. What are the ministers here for today? The ministers are here for this. Simply to help you have an encounter. To help you have an aloha moment where you come face to face with God. To help you walk in a realm and walk in an area of your life that you have never walked in before. And to help you step into a place where the Spirit of God can fill you over and over and over again. You know what I love most about the, this in the initial contact message? It's because when I really broke it down into the Hebrew, it was saying, God in his presence and God in his voice and um, God in his presence and God in his voice that you have physically named Jehovah God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit wanted to meet with man. God, God, God. And all of him wants to meet with all of you. Good, bad, otherwise, whoever you are, wherever you're at. I'm going to ask you to stand right now if you would. Oh, because he's jealous for you and he loves you. And he's created all this goodness just for you. He's created this whole facility, not for a bunch of people, but for you. And for you, and for you, and for you to come and have an encounter with him. And in the moment today, as awkward as some of you felt when we were face to face, part of it brought great peace into your life. Part of it brought great peace thinking, God really does love me that much. He really does want that for me. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior this morning, let's have some initial contact with the power of God. And you become born again. If you are a believer in the house and you're born again, I want you to make contact with the Father this morning. There's more to it. There's more to it. I'm going to close real quick, and I'm going to let you guys come. Father, in the name of Jesus, we're asking you to come. We're asking you to move. We're asking your spirit to move mightily in this place. We thank you, God, there's more to it than we ever thought about. But in that, we thank you that you're willing to show us everything, just like you said in John 5, 19, so that we can go do what you've called us to do, and the earth will know that there's a God in heaven.